Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number two, and we're going to be looking at uh, one verse here this morning um, in verse number 18, Ephesians chapter two, verse number 18. This, uh, this verse for us here today, this is kind of like a, uh, kind of a culmination of everything that um, God has been building for us through uh, chapter number two. Um, did you ever, when you're like driving in your car, you might uh, hear on the radio, they might have a, a kind of a contest going on where they say, uh, if you can name this song in one note or a couple notes, you might win a prize. Have you ever had that? Okay. And you, you like listen, you're like listening intently because you want to you wanna maybe know what the song is and it might be like, da-da, and you're like, da-da, da-da. Boy, I've heard that before, you know? Um, and then, you know, people are calling in and they're saying, I think it's this or I think it's that. No, no, that's not it. And then maybe a couple hours go by and they give you a couple more notes and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And then finally somebody gets it uh, because there's that one note that just really gives it away. Well, this verse here in verse number 18, uh, this is kind of like the, kind of like the crescendo of the symphony, um, the, 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 the music has been playing and playing and playing, and finally it reaches this, this culmination of everything that God has been giving us here uh, in Ephesians chapter number two. Let's read the verse together. It says, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Now, truth has been piling on and piling on throughout chapter number two. And I don't think we need to go back through chapter number one, but uh, if you could recall with me, remember in, in chapter number two, it started out, you were dead in trespasses and sins. I mean, here we are, we're dead in sins, but God in his richness and his mercy, he does what? Well, even while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he loves us with this over, over abundance of mercy that he extends towards us. And uh, he does this and he makes us alive, it tells us. He, he raises us up. Even when we were children of wrath, we were going our own way, doing our own thing uh, against God, not having a thought about God. Uh, God does all of this and he quickens us. He makes us alive together uh, with Christ. And we learn that it's through this grace that we're saved. And through this faith, it's nothing of ourselves. And as he does this, he starts doing this tremendous work inside of us. And he makes us his workmanship created unto uh, good works. And he takes us from this condition that we were in, that we were separated from Christ. We were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. We, we were uh, strangers and foreigners, is what God's word tells us here in Ephesians chapter number two. And he does what? We have no God. We have no hope. He, he, he reaches us out of this cesspool of, of iniquity that we are in. And he does what? He brings us near to God... Through Jesus Christ, he preaches peace to us. Uh, Christ extends his peace. He reconciles us to God uh, through Jesus Christ as he's there on the cross. He knocks down all the barriers that are there, this wall of hostility that was there. And he creates in us a recreation, one new man, uh, as we learned in the place of the two between uh, Jew and Gentile. And the culmination of all of this 
is here in verse number 18, that now we have access to God. So I just wanted to look here at a couple things about this access and why this is so important for the believer in Christ to know who we are in Christ and why this access to God is so important. So let's take care of first number, number one, unrestricted access. Look what he says, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. When we think of this access to the Father, this is the purpose of the gospel. When we think about the gospel, the gospel was extended to us. God spared not his own son. He gave us Christ. Why? So that we might now have access to God. So that we might have a relationship with the Father. And so this axis is a culmination. It's the crescendo of the symphony. It's that one note that when you hear it, you're like, yes, I know what that is. So I just want you to think about this for just a moment. Having access into the very presence of God, we stand before him. Let that sink in just for a little bit. That we have access to God. We stand before him. Do you realize the privilege that you have by being a Christian? Out of everything in life, money, victory, promotion, blessing, out of everything in life to be a Christian and have access to God is the greatest thing in the world. And it's not just that we will see God, it's that we have access to God now. You see, my salvation is not, best, is not based upon something of thinking, well, you know, one of these days I'm going to be able to be in the presence of God and, and be able to talk to God and, and sit down with him and, and go over all the things. No, I can do that now because I have access to God. He bids us to boldly approach the throne of grace. You can come, he says. He tells us that we can walk right into his presence. I have access to God. And if you know Christ as your savior, you too have access to God. You can come. You can come into his presence. And the thing is, is this text says not just that to, that not that we just says access not just to God, but look what he says. He says that we have access in one spirit to who? To the Father. More on that just a little bit, but how do we have this unrestricted access to God? Why is this so amazing and so important? Well, look what he says here. How does this all work? Look what he says. It's through the Trinity. He says, for through him, that's Christ, we both have access in one spirit, to the Father. So it's through this, uh, this Trinitarian access that we are able to, to gain access to the Lord. Christ makes it possible by through the way of the cross. The Spirit makes it possible by drawing us near to God. And we're able to have access to him. And he says through him. You know, I think about when the day that Christ died. What happened? There was a lot of things going on that day, a lot of emotions. 
I mean, some of the people that were around the cross that day were shouting to Jesus, if you're really the son of God, come down off the cross. There were people that saying, if you're really the son of God, come down, save yourself and us. There were some people saying, he saved others, let's see if he'll save himself. There was a lot of things going on. There was the, the disciples that were scattered because that day Jesus was smitten. And yet in all of it, when Jesus was on that cross, he accomplished something. He forever allowed us to have access to the Father. You see, Jesus Christ is our mediator. Uh, 1 Timothy 2.5 says that he's the mediator between God and humankind. He's not just some kind of a spiritual bridge in which we pass messages back and forth. No, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we have direct access. We go directly right into the presence of God. And we can talk to the Father we can spend time in his presence. We can talk to him whatever is troubling us, whatever is going on in our life, whatever is happening in our life. We can spend that time with the Father. And Jesus has made peace and he's brought us to God is what the text tells us, that he came and preached peace to you who were far off and preached peace to those who were near. And we now have this access to God. Listen to what Ephesians 3.12 says. It says, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Hebrews 4.15-16 says, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in the time of need. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 through 22 says, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The cross of Christ has opened the floodgates of grace for you and for me so that now every believer has continual access to the Father. You know, if we were living back in the day before Christ had died, we would have been part of a, uh, a system that uh, had, to, had to gain access to God, but yet you still could not even be in the very presence of God through the blood of goats and bulls and, and all these offerings. And it was a continual offering. But through the offering of Jesus on the cross, when he died on that cross, the Bible says that there was a great earthquake, that the rocks rent in twain, the, the veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and now we could gain this access, unrestricted access to the Father. But look what he says here. Look what he says. He says, we both have access. I love that. That's present tense. It's not we had 
access, or we will have access, but we have access. You know, I think one of the things that we do as believers in Christ, I know this is true in my own life, that when I sometimes fall in a pattern of sin, that I feel like I cannot enter into the presence of God, that I can't have access because I'm too sinful, that I'm too unholy, that God doesn't like me anymore, that God doesn't love me anymore, and I feel that I cannot have this conversation with the Lord, but that's not true because I don't stand in my own righteousness before God. Whose righteousness do we stand before in? Jesus. And we gain access to the Father. And God, even though in our sinful, horrible, vile, unholy, sinful state, we're still able to have access to God because of what Christ has done on the cross. And we have this access to the Father. But look what else he says here. He says that we have this access in one spirit. Why one spirit? There's a significance to that. Why one? Listen to what Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 6 says. It says, For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. You see, the spirit is life because of righteousness, we're told in the scripture that the spirit is life. The son, he paves the way for us. He allows us to have access to God. And it's through the spirit, the, the shedding of the blood of Christ, through the spirit of God, we are able now to enter into the very throne room of God, the courts room of God, the access to the father we're able to have. And we enter into that holy of holies, so where does the Spirit come in? Well, the Spirit breathes life into us. It gives us life. Because remember what it says in Ephesians 2, you were dead in trespasses and sins. No God, no hope, strangers. You had nothing. And Jesus paved the way. Jesus made it possible for us now to gain access to the Father. And the Spirit of God has breathed life into us. He's made us alive in Christ. So we're no longer that dead old thing. Can you imagine throwing a dead corpse before God? Our sins, they were vile, they were disgusting. And what's happened is that Christ has washed them away. And the Spirit has given us life now. And we're no longer that old dead thing anymore. We're made alive in Christ. That's why I, I say this, that it's not, it's not the fact of, all right, I'm saved and I still have this old life. No, no. Once you became a believer and a follower in Christ, the Bible says that we've been given a new life, a resurrected glorious life. And we are to live our life through that new life. Not, well, I'm saved and I'm going to still try to do things in my flesh. No, it doesn't work that way. That, it's dead. It's buried. It's gone. And we have a new life in Christ. 
And so we have this new life. We're alive. We're new creations made in the image of God. We're righteous and we're holy. And that's what Paul says about the new man, that now we can have this access, this unrestricted access to God. I want to show you a second thing here. Our relationship with the Father. It's interesting that Paul doesn't write God or Lord here. He says the Father. Why? God is trying to teach us here something about our relationship with him. As a child with a relationship with their father. Uh, let's see. Nehemiah, can I borrow you just real quick? I just want to use you for an illustration. It's okay. You won't have to really uh, quote any Bible verses or anything like that, okay? Um, Nehemiah helped us down in the basement. He's a hard worker and everything. He looks real sharp today. I didn't almost recognize him because he's wearing a coat today. <laughs> but uh, uh, Nehemiah's parents are here. <laughs> And um, obviously, that's your dad, right? Yeah. Okay. Do you like spending time with him? Yeah. What do you enjoy about spending time with your dad? Uh, getting to know him. Getting to know him. Okay. Are there times that maybe like you're at home and you're just like, hey, dad, can we do this? Or hey, dad, can I do this? Or hey, dad, do you ever do that? Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. And the whole purpose of that is because you want to spend time with your dad, okay? Um, did you see my daughter up here today causing a ruckus, right? <laughs> Everybody knows who the pastor's kid is. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of new at this father thing. So it, it, a lot of this stuff is kind of new to me. But there was something that I learned about becoming a father. And hopefully that one of these days, you know, maybe you'll get to experience that as well. But children have this way that there's something about their their father their parents that they want to spend this time with them I don't go up to my daughter and say hey I want to spend time with you <laughs> I don't say hey let's get down on the floor and play with play-doh I got things to do I, I'm busy right but you know what my daughter does she comes up to me and she says I want to spend time with you Thanks, you can, you can sit down. Appreciate it. So Paul is trying to teach us something here. God's trying to teach us something here. Because we have access to the Father, there's something important about our relationship with him. And he says, as a father, so that leads, automatically makes me think, well, if he's our father, then we are his children. So who are we? We are children that have access to the Father. Why is this so important? Listen to what Matthew 18.3 says. Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless, unless you change and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, we come into this access wide-eyed, inspired by the greatness of the Father. Think back with me. Because, I mean, Paul tells us, he says, remember, remember, remember. Think back with me the day that you trusted Christ. There was an awe-inspiring moment 
the magnitude and the greatness of your sin, but then yet the magnitude and the greatness of God's grace. And when you had that opportunity to be washed from your sin, to be changed, to be transformed into a new creation, God was no longer some far distant person, but he became near to you because he became your father. You became a child before the very eyes of God. Hebrews eleven six says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You see, as an adult, we have a tendency to become very cynical with age, do we not? Ooh, I don't know about that. Nope, sorry. You ever wonder why uh, the uh, uh, armed forces get all the young men to recruit at a young age? Because they will do anything. Sure, I'll jump off that bridge for you. Ah! Right? But as we get older, we, we, we tend to question things and, and tend to really scrutinize things. While a child yet has yet to be touched by the very concerns of the world. What qualities, did you ever think about this? What qualities does a child have? A child is innocent. A child is trusting. A child believes without complication. A child has not had time to allow the preconceived notions of the world to form their decision-making process. A child receives with joy forgetting themselves with light-hearted abandonment. A child is humble. A child is content in the little things. A child has the faith to move mountains. There's a game that uh, Evelyn and I play from time to time. And what she does is she has this plastic-looking pet shop thing. It doesn't have a back on it, just a front door and a window, and you can see through it. She brings it up, and she wants me to knock on the door, and she's on the other side <laughs> looking through. She wants me to knock on the door, so I knock on the door, and then she goes, you like, and you have to tell her what you like. So then you say, I like pizza. And she goes, pizza? And she reaches in to the inside of that thing and she pulls out, you will not believe it, the best tasting pepperoni pizza that you have ever had. It's amazing. And so this child, a child has the faith to move mountains. A child is awed by majestic splendor. A child takes to heart God's word in all of its simplicity. And so you think of God and the child as one with a child with his parents, the children, and, and we're, they're full of innocence. And they, they come to their loving father and mother, trusting them completely to take care of them, to protect them, to provide for them, to correct them when they are wrong, and to love and to cherish them. And God's word here is teaching us that we need to have this type of trust and faith with the Father because we have access to him. 
After all, we are his children. We should be able to come to him fully trusting without a doubt that he loves and he cares for us. Listen to what 1 John 3, 1 says. It says, see, see, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And so like a child, we should come before the Father, fully trusting him in his word, fully engaged in his spirit, fully open to his love, because we have this complete and total access to God. So in your relationship with the Father, is this the crescendo? Is this the one note that you, yeah, boy, that's, that's good. That's good. I know that one. I know that one. We have access to him. We can come before him whenever we need to. And we are children before him, fully trusting in him. Let's pray together. Thank you.